0: Each year, on the second Sunday of Lent, the church put before us the transfiguration of Jesus. His face, we are told, shone, and his clothes became dazzling white. As people call to journey in holiness to the land that God has promised us, we need to go through some form of transfiguration ourselves through virtuous living. In the first reading, God invites Abraham, who later became Abraham, to an extreme act of trust, to leave his country, to leave his kindred, and to leave his father's house to the land that God will show him. Among the ancient tribal people, kinship relations held a paramount significance. One would lay down life itself for any blood relative in one's clan. Thus, the call to leave his kindred, implied a sacrifice of tremendous importance. Although the Lord has a great deal of Abram, he vastly more promises that he will make the, him the father of a great nation, a people in whom all humanity will be blessed. Abram set off for the journey with faith in God's promise as his only compass. Even today, this command to leave his comfort and security to migrate to an unknown land could not be called easy to fulfillment. But in days of Abraham, to leave one's tribe and one's relatives was to risk one's life. Abraham's response to God touches us with his boldness and vulnerability. Even though he did not know where he would end up, he trusted that God would be with him. From this, he derived great strength. God blessed him and rewarded his faith by making him the father of a great people. It was through his descendants that our Lord Jesus Christ came. As Christians... You and I are called by God to be on a journey of faith. As God called the pagan Abram to leave his idol-worshipping family, kinsmen and country, he calls us to move away from the idols we have sought as our securities, to move out of where we are now, Not necessarily into a new location, but into a new vision, into a new value, and a new way of living. Dearly beloved, if you read the text critically, you realize that the father of Abraham set off with his two sons from Ur of the Chaldeans on his way to Cana. But he stopped somewhere along the way. Why? Because probably he felt comfort over there and decided to stay there. The intention, the purpose of the journey was thwarted and therefore the journey was aborted prematurely. So when the Lord called Abraham, he called Abraham to continue the family's journey. And the Lord did not want the family to be an obstacle to his response to God so that he will also become a failure as his father, Nahor, and the rest of the family. So the Lord is asking him in the same way that he's asking me and you to set up on a journey to the land that he, the Lord, is going to show us. In this season of Lent, We are asked to leave the places in our lives where God is not at home. The places of selfishness, the places of evil, and the places of sin. To embark on this journey, we need to be equipped with courage and faith in the Lord who has called us. But where is God calling us? St. Paul, in the second reading, gives us a clue to the destination God is asking us to go. He writes to Timothy. God has called us to be holy. Holiness, therefore, is the land God wants us to reach. We are called to follow Jesus and to become ever more like him in the way we think, to be ever more like him in the way we speak, to be ever more like him in the way we relate with other people. God is asking us to leave our selfish ways and take on Christ's way of life. God counted on the old Israel to help him in bringing eternal life to all nations. So he looks to you. He looks to me. He looks to all of us, the church, to continue the same mission. Consequently, if my Christian life does not include the good example of true Christian living, a word of advice for a brother who needs it, a daily prayer for the salvation of all my fellow travelers to heaven, I am not on the road to heaven itself. All our actions, all our thoughts, all our words, therefore, should be motivated by the fact that we are called simply to be another Christ where we live, with the people we live and work, and with all those we meet. This means that you and I have to go through some form of transfiguration. As Jesus went about Galilee, his divinity was clogged by his humanity. But on Mount Tabor. God's light burst forth from the body of Jesus, and he was transfigured. This was not a surface thing. It wasn't something superficial, but an inner essence shining through his humanity. God was in Jesus. In fact, there are two potentialities within each one of us. One, that of evil and to that of good. We are capable of such things as hatred. We are capable of such things as bitterness. We are capable of such things as cruelty. We are capable of such things as greed. We are capable of such things as envy. And we are capable of certain things as lust and all the filthy things in life. These are ugly things that bring the worst in us. These corrupt our hearts and disfigure us. unfortunately, This is what predominantly comes to the fore in our dealings with other people. We also have the potential for good because we are capable of such things as love. We are capable of such things as joy. Things as peace, patience, kindness, mercy, and compassion. These are beautiful things that transfigure us. As we reflect on the transfiguration of the Lord today, we are exhorted to let this beauty, to let this good potential become actualized in our lives. This means that we have to go through some form of change in behavior, change in attitude, change in lifestyle. This requires that we leave behind our features or appearances, or the looks we have that are not God-like, to let go of those things in us that are not Christ's way of life. To become transfigured, brothers and sisters, requires that we sacrifice certain things in our lives, leaving behind certain ways of being and doing things, those ways of crookedness, those ways of lying those ways of cheating, those ways of dishonesty, those ways of hatred, those ways of gossip, and those ways of revenge. All these ways are not acceptable in the land of holiness where God is calling us. People, however, need to see something of the goodness, something of the gentleness, something of the forgiveness of Christ, and the understanding and caring of God in our lives. Remember that your life could be the only gospel someone would ever, ever read. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean, if they do not see Christ in you as a Christian, they might not encounter Christ anywhere. A Christian is the one who lives in Christ and the one who has Christ live in him or her. And therefore, the manifestation of Christ in the world should be the image that we portray. So our life genuinely could be the greatest gospel. It's not what we preach but it is what we live out. Christianity is not so much a religion of intellectual gymnastics. It's not a religion of intellectual creed. It is a religion of faith, belief that is practiced. It is a way of life. It is manifesting the life of Christ In the world, dearly beloved, let us pray in this Eucharistic liturgy that through our communion with Christ in the Eucharist, through our communion with Christ in his word, we may also be transfigured so as to radiate the radiance and beauty of Christ in the world. Remember, we are what we eat. And if we consume Christ in word and sacrament, we should become other Christ. And to become other Christ means that we need to be transfigured in the world. We need to be appreciated by the Father who would one day say, This indeed is my beloved Son. This indeed is my beloved daughter. Because when you were baptized, I believe the Lord said similar things about you. My beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Because at baptism, we were transformed into becoming children of God and members of his church. I want you and I to be able to maintain that identity. May Christ light, may his radiance, may his beauty, may his love, May his compassion, may his mercy be transmitted by all of us Christians. May the Holy Spirit help us. Amen.